Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Bigham with you on this Thursday, January 11th, 2024. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, Belgium's Prime Minister is in Beijing for an official visit, the first European leader in China this year. Ecuador's president says the country is now in a state of war with criminal groups involved in drug trafficking. The World Economic Forum's warning that false and misleading information are the greatest short-term risks this year. In business, China's auto exports and sales achieve record highs. In sports, I'll look at one of the at round one of the Australian Open. In culture and entertainment, a new TV show based in 1990s Shanghai. Now checking the day's top stories. Belgian Prime Minister Alexander de Cruz in Beijing for an official visit at the invitation of Chinese Premier Li Chung. This is the first visit to China by a European leader this year. Yo Yang has more. One notable thing that starting this January, Belgium assumed the presidency of the Council of the European Union and the country will hold the position for a total six months until June this year. So many believe the cross trade will also focus on the relations between China and the European Union. On the other hand, according to a statement released by the PM's office, the China-Belgium relationship, as well as economic connections between the two sides, will also top the agenda. Belgium's Foreign Minister Aja Lahbib is also in China, and the Belgian media says her visit will focus on fostering economic ties. The year 2024 marks the 53rd anniversary since China and Belgium established diplomatic ties. Belgium is currently the seventh largest trading partner with China within the European markets. An article by China's ambassador to Belgium, Cao Zhongming, was published in the EU Reporter this week, in which it said that China and Belgium are all-round friendly and cooperative partners, adding that both countries firmly support multilateralism and an open-world economy. In terms of China-EU relations, many analysts say the European Union is facing a rather complex situation at the start of this year. That's actually say all this makes for more uncertainties at the European Council summit to be held this March. And the stable China-EU relationship will help to cope with major issues and the challenges facing the international community. That was Yo Yang on the Belgian Prime Minister's visit to China. China and the Maldives have agreed to upgrade bilateral relations to a comprehensive strategic cooperative partnership. President Xi Jinping held talks with Maldivian President Mohamed Muiz in Beijing. The two leaders also signed documents on cooperation regarding the Belt and Road Initiative, the Blue Economy, Green Development and more. Soon Tianyuan walks us through the developments of bilateral relations. In 2022, annual trade between China and the Maldives rose 10% from a year earlier to 451 million U.S. dollars. China primarily uh, imports uh, seafood and fishery products from the Maldives, and while it exports machinery and construction materials. And in 2017, China became the first country to sign a bilateral free trade agreement with the Maldives, and it aims to ensure that over 95% of goods traded between the two countries enjoy zero tariff treatment. The Maldivian president, Mohamed Muz, has said that his government is ready to implement the agreement as soon as possible. Uh, At a meeting with President Xi, Muz thanked China for providing what he described as valuable support for his country's economic and social development, especially through the Belt and Road Initiative. The China-Maldives Friendship Bridge, built by China, is the Maldives' first cross-sea bridge. 
and President Muse has described the landmark BRI project as the most iconic and transformational project uh, in his country. China was also the largest source of foreign tourists to the island country for 10 years before the COVID-19 pandemic, and a number of Chinese tourists reached 284,000 in 2019, accounting for 16.7 percent of the total number of international tourists in the Maldives. During Wednesday's meeting in Beijing, President Xi said China is ready to increase direct flights to the Maldives and to boost people-to-people exchanges. And that was Sun Tianyuan on China-Maldives ties. Foreigners who travel to China for business, study, and tourism can now enter the country faster and with less paperwork. China's National Immigration Administration introduced five new measures to facilitate their entry. Under the new rules, foreign nationals can transit through nine international airports in cities including Beijing, Shanghai, and Guangzhou for up to 24 hours without going through immigration procedures. Those who need to enter and exit China multiple times can now apply for multiple entry visas. A director, Deputy Director Leo Hightao says the National Immigration Administration will offer better services for domestic and international businesses and individuals. We will make more efforts to clear obstacles for foreigners who come to China for business exchanges, study and travel. We will come up with more reformative and innovative policies, accelerate institutional opening up, actively contribute to a top-level business environment, and help with the construction of a new development paradigm. Well, China began allowing visa-free entries for citizens of France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain, and Malaysia back on December the 1st. Figures from the National Immigration Administration show that 147,000 people from those six countries have entered China under the new measure. Administration Foreign Services Chief Mao Xu says travelers have enjoyed the benefits of the new rules. The measures have facilitated business trips and travel. They have been positively received by people in the six countries. Immigration authorities will continue to carry out law enforcement to ensure smooth operations at ports and to offer better and more efficient services for foreigners coming to China. The Immigration Administration also says it's received a large number of applications and update requests for the new permanent residence permit. China began issuing the updated permit known as uh, the five-star card last month. The administration of former U.S. President Jimmy Carter played a pivotal role in the history of China-U.S. relations. The Carter Center is still dedicated to promoting those ties today. It recently hosted a conference to mark 45 years of diplomatic relations between China and the United States. Hendrik Saibrandi spoke with uh, many who attended the event in Atlanta. The Carter Center in Atlanta is dedicated to waging peace, fighting disease, and building hope. Hope drove Jimmy Carter during his presidency more than four decades ago. President Carter was willing to take risks. The Carter Center's Yahweh Liu says there was no bigger risk than Carter and China's Deng Xiaoping's decision to formalize relations between the two countries on January 1st, 1979. The joint decision by him and by Vice Premier Deng Xiaoping changed America for the better. 
change China for the better, change the whole world for the better. 45 years after that dramatic step between two former foes, the U.S.-China relationship is more worthy of discussion than ever. It was under the microscope. As the Carter Center CEO put it, Dialogue is a critical element to, to any foreign policy. After a period of tension, high-level talks between the two countries have resumed, but many vexing problems remain, like military security, close encounters in the South China Sea. This could spill over into bilateral relationship between China and U.S as a major um, crisis event. It's not inevitable that we will have a U.S.-China conflict in which we're fighting a war, but I think it is inevitable that we will have a crisis. Whether how we manage that crisis and how we deal with that crisis, I think is much more important for us to focus on. Technology is another hot button issue. These two countries have already waged what I can call it a data war. The most important thing for both sides is try to figure out as soon as possible how to slow this trend. Whether between governments or in sessions like these, many emphasize, talking is key. In the current era, I think that the, the scholarly opinions, the opinions on the panel discussions can oftentimes provide input to policymakers. As the U.S. and China seek to maintain stability in their relationship. Let us stay true to the commitment we made when establishing diplomatic ties. Act in line with the trend of the times. Show foresight, courage, and creativity. Much, Jimmy Carter's biographer says, as he and Deng did all those years ago. He believes that normalization of relations will be arguably the longest lasting accomplishment of his time in office. One that's paid huge dividends and is still vigorously debated to this day. That was Hendrix Ibrandi reporting. The first group of American students under an exchange program between China and the U.S. has visited Qingdao. Chinese President Xi Jinping announced an initiative to invite 50,000 young people from the U.S. to China when he met with U.S. President Joe Biden in San Francisco last November. Huang Yi Chang joined those students as they explored the eastern Chinese city. Ten students from California State University Long Beach have arrived in Qingdao as part of the first wave of groups from the United States attending exchange programs in China over the next five years. My warm welcome to you. Despite the cold weather, I can see. I hope you can feel the warmth of our hospitality. Despite a long, over 30-hour journey, the students are thrilled by the excitement that greets them at every corner. From the vibrant lights that fill the streets, to the grand shopping malls with the impressive screens. It's huge. I would say everything in China is just like really big. And even the water scenery. I like that bridge. A world of discovery is waiting for them to explore. Because in China, I want to go to, I want to try the beer. I am very excited about making dumplings. One, <laughs> At their first destination, a famous skyscraper in Qingdao, the students are enjoying a panoramic view of the city and the Yellow Sea. But this trip goes beyond just having fun. It aims to strengthen people-to-people -people relations between the two countries. Okay, I'll scan you, I'll scan you, I got this. For these young minds, the visit is about building connections and cultivating lasting friendships. Uh, I think it's important for cultures to come together, especially with uh, the U.S. and China, since we're one of the bigger countries in the whole world.
world. So it's important for me to see the culture for myself and experience that and see what it's really like here. I would like to talk to like Chinese people and you know see what their life is like, that kind of thing. When the welcome banner appears bearing the words "The future lies with the youth," someone quickly recognized where the words came from. President Xi's words. How, how do you know it? President Xi said this after his meeting with President Biden in San Francisco. In San Francisco, yes. Very moment. <laughs> These young ambassadors are poised to immerse themselves in the environments beyond what they've learned from the textbooks and the internet. The words on the banner may resonate with them as everyone looks forward to a future where friendships could bridge the gap between the two countries. That was Huang Yichang with a group of American students who are learning about China. Coming up, Ecuador says it's at war with criminal groups in the country. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform and get ready to dive in. 13 past the hour now. Ecuadorian President Daniel Noboa says the country is in a state of war with criminal groups linked to drug trafficking amid a wave of violence. He warns that there are about 20,000 criminal gang members active in the country, vowing not to give in to their demands. The government's identified members of 22 criminal organizations as terrorists in an executive order that declares a state of internal armed conflict. The move allows the deployment of the army to combat the gangs and restore law and order. Armed Forces Commander Admiral Jamie Vila says they've arrested over 320 people, mostly gang members, since the president decreed a 60-day state of emergency in the country. Avila's called on the Ecuadorian people to be patient as they're putting all efforts in to restore peace. El bloque de seguridad. The security bloc we formed at the beginning is given results and will keep this way, united. We remain unified because this is the only way, with unity, cooperation and a sacrifice, that will push our country forward. I beg all citizens to follow suit with the example of cohesion and cooperation so that we can get peace for our citizens. The jail management agency says inmates at five prisons in Ecuador are holding over 120 prison guards and 14 administrative officials captive. At least 15 people are dead following widespread looting and arson in Papua New Guinea. The unrest started as police and public service went on strike after discovering their pay had been reduced by up to 50 percent. Government officials have blamed this on an administrative error. The country's prime minister is appealing for calm and has vowed to fix the problem. The Chinese embassy says two Chinese citizens were injured in the chaos and several Chinese, uh, Chinese-owned shops were looted. China's ambassador to the Pacific Island country has visited the Chinese communities in Port Moresby. The Chinese embassies requested that PNG protect the safety of Chinese people and enterprises. Uh, Papua New Guinea says authorities will offer protections and compensation for the losses. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says his discussions with officials in Bahrain focused on necessary steps to help Gaza get back on its feet. We uh, discussed uh, the efforts that are underway Uh, to try to make sure that civilians are better protected, that we get humanitarian assistance to people who need it, um, and at the same time, uh, make sure that Israel can succeed in uh, ensuring to the best of its ability that October 7th 
never happen uh, again. Blinken adds that countries around the region are prepared to take steps to provide for the security of Israel and offer a pathway for Palestinians uh, to a state of their own. Uh, the U.S. Secretary of State's on a tour in the Middle East over the conflict in Gaza before Bahraini visited the West Bank, where he met with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. And Abbas has rejected Israel's plans to separate or cut off any part of Gaza. Passengers in Germany are facing train cancellations after a union representing train drivers started a nearly three-day strike demanding shorter hours and better pay. It adds to the country's transportation woes as farmers' protests have already impacted roads. Peter Oliver reports from Berlin. All still and all quiet at Berlin Central Station. A three-day nationwide strike by the GDL train drivers union over pay and working hours means that the usually heaving terminus was close to deserted. The union is demanding an increase in wages and a cut in hours from 38 to 35 per week. Deutsche Bahn, the German rail operator, has told passengers to find alternative routes, although a very limited number of trains are departing for those for whom that's not an option. I was in Bayern and I had to come here to Berlin and so my train was cancelled. But the whole uh, staff of the trains was very nice and supportive, so they really helped me find another train, uh, another uh, fast uh, train. She is one of the lucky ones. 80% of long-distance trains in Germany are cancelled. It's not just industrial action on the trains, which is causing transport chaos in Germany at the moment. Protests by farmers against plans to cut subsidies, including those for diesel fuel, have been blocking roads since Monday and are going to continue until next Monday. Farmers are angry with the direction of the current government. I want politicians to make politics for the people and not for foreign countries. I want them to be there for the middle class as well as for the rich. Right-wing opposition party Alternative for Deutschland has been very vocal in support for the farmers. Chancellor Scholz says that some of the farmers' demands had already been met halfway and called for calm. I believe it is also important that moderation is now maintained. This should also be a concern of all Democrats, especially in turbulent times like these. With rail and road travel paralysed in some parts of Germany, the fear is that the longer this goes on, the more it will impact an already struggling German economy. That was Peter Oliver on a train driver's strike in Germany and its possible impacts. The Constitutional Court in the Democratic Republic of the Congo has upheld the election victory of President Felix Shisekeda. It dismissed two legal challenges to overturn the election. Chris Okamringa reports from Kinshasa. The main opposition candidates insist the election was a sham and rejected the Constitutional Court's ruling. They claim the December polls were marred by long delays, faulty voting machines and logistical problems. They robbed, they robbed our freedom to choose our president. The Electoral Commission should not have failed this. The Electoral Commission should say that there was irregularities that should be uh, should determine the court to reject the electoral commission results. The petitions were filed by Theodore Ngoi, a presidential candidate, and a Congolese citizen called David Mbala. 
Both of them cited widespread irregularities during the voting process and asked the court to cancel the election results and organize a rerun. But the court ruled that the irregularities could not have substantially affected the election results because they did not happen in all polling stations. The opposition candidates have now threatened to hold protests to denounce the outcome of the elections. We have the right to claim, to make our claim uh, through, the, through the streets. We can go because the constitution allows us to do so. We have the right to ask the president-elect to go for a meeting because we need to be one people. The government has said it will deploy the army to crack down on the protests. The judges at the Constitutional Court started hearing the petitions challenging the re-election of President Felix Chisekedi on Monday. The judges ruled the petitioners did not provide sufficient evidence to back their claims. Mr. Theodore Ngoy's petition failed on three principles of the law. That is to say, he based his arguments on articles that had nothing to do with the electoral contention. Last week, the Electoral Commission cancelled the votes of 82 candidates in the legislative polls for allegedly engaging in electoral fraud. Some of the candidates from the ruling coalition are reported to have had electronic voting machines in their homes. The final figures announced by the Constitutional Court gave President Chisekedi more than 73% of the vote. His closest challenger, Moise Katumbi, came in second with 18%. The ruling by the Constitutional Court cannot be appealed in any other court in the DRC. The judges have confirmed the election victory of President Felix Chisekedi in the December 20th polls that have been disputed by nine opposition candidates. And that was Chris Okamrenga on the DRC's ruling on the presidential election results. Uh, coming up, the World Economic Forum issues a warning about false and misleading information. Foreign internet influencers living in China are hitting back as they face a fresh round of accusations of being cultivated by the Chinese government to shape narratives in favor of China. How true are those accusations? What's behind such narratives and who's been pushing them? Listen to what those online influencers have to say on this week's Chat Lounge, anywhere you get your podcasts, and on CGTN Radio. It's 22 minutes past the hour now. Uh, the World Economic Forum has warned in a new report that false and misleading information are the leading short-term risks this year. The WEF released its Global Risks Report 2024 ahead of its annual meeting in Davos. The report predicts that misinformation and disinformation will lead the top five risks over the next two years. One of the contributing factors of such risks is artificial intelligence. Uh, Carolina Clint is the chief commercial officer at service firm Marsh McLennan. And she says the boom in generative AI chatbots like ChatGPT have sparked concerns. Given the sudden accessibility of user-friendly interfaces like ChatGPT or larger-scale AI models or synthetic content to manipulate public opinion, it's no wonder that misinformation and disinformation is ranked as a top risk uh, short term. And the report also says extreme weather events top the list of global long-term risks for the next decade. It shows a pessimistic outlook for the world for the next two years, which is expected to worsen for the next decade. And it adds that the coming years will be marked by persistent economic uncertainty and growing economic and technological divides.
Australia is experiencing abnormal weather. The eastern part of the country is drenched with nonstop rain and flooding. Authorities have told residents in central Victoria to flee to higher ground. But flooding is only a part of the problem. Greg Navarro has more. Record-breaking rainfall across parts of central Victoria has led to widespread flooding impacting tens of thousands of people. There are major flood warnings currently for Rochester and Seymour. Australia's east has been inundated by relentless rains this month. Severe storms and deadly flooding followed a slow-moving cyclone in Queensland last month that dumped more than a metre's worth of rain in places. Hi, I'm Baden. I'm from Cairns Police. I'll give you a hand to get you out of here, okay? Prompting widespread evacuations. This is a difficult time for flood-impacted far north Queenslanders. In September, the country's Bureau of Meteorology declared Australia was in the midst of an El Nino weather pattern. In particular, favouring warmer and drier conditions, particularly over spring, but also into early summer. In fact, people living in fire-prone areas were told to prepare for an increased risk for bushfires this season. While firefighters were kept busy in late spring, the rain has so far dominated the weather. Climate scientists say predicting the precise impact of weather patterns such as El Nino, which typically brings hotter than normal temperatures and less rainfall across Australia, is complicated at best. It doesn't mean that they're completely unpredictable, but it does mean that small disturbances, small changes in one part of the system will play out through the system over time in cascading ways which can amplify over time. And it's not the only weather pattern currently impacting the country. Scientists also say there is no direct connection between the individual weather events taking place here and climate change. So to say the flooding that we've just had in Victoria is a result of global heating, that is not necessarily something you can say with any confidence. What scientists can say with certainty is that the Earth's atmosphere and its oceans are warming, creating more instability. That's likely influencing the frequency of weather events. All I can see, because I've got a big mango tree in the backyard, and all I can see is just going wild and everything, and my uh, shape thing was just coming up and down, smacking against the house. It was definitely crazy. That was a, weather, or a report rather, about the extreme weather in Australia. Many new car models have been undergoing performance tests in Heihe in northeastern China, where temperatures often plunge below minus 20 degrees Celsius. Insiders say Heihe has become the first choice for automakers to conduct test runs for cars that are designed for cold regions. Uh, Zhang Chuguang with a car company in the city explains. First of all, Heihe has really cold weather and lots of ice and snow. This is its unique advantage. The local government has set up venues and provided equipment to deal with these extreme conditions, which has been a big help to us. Heihe's bid in the test drive economy began back in 2006, and the city now boasts 12 vehicle testing companies. Inspector Diao Weidong with the local government says uh, they've taken steps to further upgrade the test drive business. We've set up plans to grow and expand our test drive business, improve our innovation and research capabilities, boost the test drive economy, and create a better business environment for test drives. Heihe has launched China's first 5G field for unmanned test drives in the high-altitude cold area. The test drive economy has boosted the sales volume of local businesses, including supermarkets, hotels, entertainment, and even flight tickets. 
and people across China are flocking to markets to make seasonal purchases as the Chinese New Year approaches. Festive products such as candies, lanterns, and patterns of Chinese character Fu, or Good Fortune, are attracting consumers at a supermarket in Foshan. I've come here to take a look. I'm looking to buy everything I need for the Spring Festival, and I will buy a lot. The Chinese New Year falls on February the 10th this year. We're at 28 past the hour, Beijing minus 6 on Thursday evening. Friday is sunny and plus 6. And Nanchang's down to 3 tonight, sunny and 18 tomorrow. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's at uh, plus 2 this evening, cloudy and 17 Friday. Uh, Vientiane is 22 overnight. Tomorrow sees a light rainfall and a high of 32. Phnom Penh is at 23 this evening, overcast and 34 tomorrow. In Africa, Nairobi's getting a slight rainfall with a high of 26 on Friday. Kampala's 19 overnight, then a, a bit of rain and a high of 24. Juba's 26 tonight. Tomorrow's cloudy and 38. And finally to Oceania, Port Vila's at 24 this evening. Tomorrow, a slight rainfall and a high of 30. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, Belgian, uh, Belgium's Prime Minister is in Beijing for an official visit, uh, the first European leader in China this year. Ecuador's president says the country is now in a state of war with criminal groups involved in drug trafficking. The World Economic Forum's warning that false and misleading information are the greatest short-term risks this year. And Shane Bigham with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music Talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. An General Railway Company, Deutsche Director of the International Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, 你好, or a sophisticated learner, 我来北京五年了, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Thursday, still to come. In business, China's auto exports and sales achieve record highs. In sports, a look at uh, round one of the Australian Open. In culture and entertainment, a new TV show based in 1990s Shanghai. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. But first of all, with the day's headline news, here's Wang Zihan. Thank you, Shane. Chinese Premier Li Qiang will attend the World Economic Forum in Switzerland starting this weekend. He will also pay official visit to Switzerland and Ireland during the tour. The Chinese Foreign Ministry says China looks forward to taking the opportunity to promote global economic recovery and work with all participant nations to jointly tackle common challenges. 
Meantime, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi will embark on a full nation tour in Africa this weekend. Wang's first overseas tour in the new year will take him to Egypt, Tunisia, the Republic of Togo, and Cote d'Ivoire. For decades, China has followed a tradition where the foreign minister chooses Africa as the first destination for each year. Wang will then head to the Americas and visit Brazil and Jamaica. Chinese Commerce Minister Wang Wentao has expressed concerns over recent U.S. sanctions against Chinese enterprises. During a phone call with, Chinese, with U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, Wang said the meeting between the two heads of state last November set an important tone for bilateral trade. He added that the two sides should play a positive role in creating cooperation opportunities for their enterprises. Wang also conveyed concerns about curves in export of lithography machines to China and chip supply chain investigations. Ecuadorian President Daniel Noboa says the country is at war with drug gangs who are holding prison guards hostage. Noboa named 22 gangs as terrorist organizations, making them official military targets. Ecuador has witnessed a dramatic surge in violence that saw gunmen briefly take over a TV live broadcast. Neighboring Peru has declared a state of emergency but says it has no plans to close the border with Ecuador. An ongoing strike launched by train drivers in Germany is severely restricting passenger transport across the country. The German Locomotive Drivers Union is demanding working hours reduced from 38 to 35 per week, along with a wage increase of over 600 US dollars per month. Many travelers are turning to alternatives involving long-distance bus travel, flights, or going by car. German national railway company Deutsche Bahn is operating an emergency service, but spokesperson Anja Brocker says only one in five long-distance trains are able to run. The strike by the German Locomotive Drivers Union has had a massive impact on train services in Germany. In passenger and freight transport, we have had to take massive numbers of trains off the trucks. According to an emergency plan, we have been running around 20% of our passenger services since 2 a.m. On long-distance services, 20% of our intercity expresses are running, and regional services have also been massively thinned out. The current strike is expected to last until Friday, but the union says it may be extended if the rail operator does not further improve its offer. Deutsche Bahn offered an 11% pay increase in November, but it was rejected without further negotiations. Broker says the company is ready for flexible working time models and is willing to negotiate with the drivers. The UN Security Council has adopted a resolution to condemn the attacks by the Houthi militia on cargo ships in the Red Sea. The resolution demands the Houthis immediately cease all such attacks and release the crew of a vehicle carrier that the group seized in November. The resolution also calls for caution and restraint to avoid further escalation of the situation in the Red Sea and encourages enhanced diplomatic efforts. A senior Houthi leader has called the UN resolution a political game and accused the United States of violating international law. Alaska Airlines says it will cancel all flights on Boeing 737 MAX 9 jets through Saturday as it conducts inspections after a cabin panel blowout mid-air last week. Boeing suggested it was caused by a quality issue. 
United Airlines, which has 79 of the same type of aircraft in its fleet, also announced cancellations. The U.S. Federal Aviation Administration has grounded 171 Boeing jets installed with the same panel. Republicans have taken the first step towards holding Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. It came hours after President Joe Biden's son made a visit to Capitol Hill. The House Oversight and Judiciary Committees each passed contempt charges against a younger Biden, with unanimous Republican support and all Democrats opposed. The move sets up the likelihood that the House will recommend criminal charges against a member of the president's family. The Republican Party is advancing into the final stages of an impeachment inquiry into the president. The charges will go to the full House for consideration and will be up to the Justice Department to decide whether to prosecute if it's approved. All right, thank you very much. That was Wang Zihang. This is Shane Begum in the Chinese capital coming up in business. China's auto exports and sales achieve record highs. Discover the realities and responses to our changing climate with Climate Watch. Uncover critical issues such as the Masai Mara's disrupted wildebeest migration and the drop in the Panama Canal's water levels. Delve into solutions for a sustainable future. Tune in to Climate Watch on your favorite podcast platform. Become more eco-conscious and take action to protect our planet. 37 past the hour now. Turning to business, starting with the markets. Chinese mainland markets closed higher on Thursday. Wang Yin has more. The Shanghai Composite Index advanced around a third of 1%, but it remains below 2,900 points. And the Shenzhen Component Index rose 1.5% and closed back above 9,000 points. The gains for the main index were capped because there is still no firm indication of upcoming policy moves. The mainland markets also managed to borrow some optimism from the Hong Kong markets, where the dip buying was stronger. Foreign inflows on the stock connect had passed a billion yuan before the lunchtime trading break. Much of the gains were concentrated in defense stocks and AI companies. That was Wang Yin in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index surged 1.3 percent. In Japan, the Nikkei increased 1.8 percent. China sold a record of 30.1 million vehicles in 2023. That total was up 12 percent. The China Association of Automobile Manufacturers says vehicle sales in December, including exports, jumped 23.5 percent on the year. Official Fu Bingfang with the association says the country was likely the world's largest auto exporter in the past year. It took China 55 years to reach the annual export milestone of 1 million from scratch. In 2021, the exports exceeded 2 million. And in 2023, China exported 4.9 million vehicles, approaching 5 million. The exports of new energy vehicles have embraced explosive growth in recent years, jumping over 77 percent from a year ago to over 1.2 million. Meanwhile, Swiss banking group UBS forecasts China's auto sector to hold a third of global market share by 2030. That's almost twice the level seen in 2022. 
China will continue to lean on tax and fee reduction policies to support scientific and technological innovation. The State Taxation Administration says the country will continue to provide tax deductions for research and development expenses. It'll offer preferential tax and fee policies to encourage enterprises to double down on independent innovation. Efforts will be also, also be made to support the application of SciTech achievements. Registration for the 7th China International Import Expo has begun, with over 300 enterprises signed up to participate so far. Uh, the signed companies, including Tesla and Pepsi, have booked an exhibition area of over 130,000 square meters. Uh, Wang Ting with North American Wellness Company, uh, Melaleuca, says the expo is a good platform for them to get access to the Chinese market. We are more confident in the remarkable resilience of the Chinese economy. We have also seen the vibrant growth of consumer demand and a tremendous market potential. The 6th CIIE earned a turnover of over 78 billion U.S. dollars, and the 7th edition will open on November 5th in Shanghai. World's biggest electronic show continues in Las Vegas. More than 1,100 Chinese companies registered for this year's CES. That's almost double the figure from last year. Mark Neo has more. As CES kicks into gear, a special event takes center stage. The 2024 China Night Inform on Consumer Electronics Developments. We are happy to see Chinese and U.S. companies strengthen interaction and cooperation through platforms such as China Night. We encourage Chinese and companies to go abroad and to go global and welcome U.S. companies to actively explore the Chinese market. In a true sign of a global tech marketplace, an American executive of TV maker Hisense talks about his Chinese company's commitment to operating out of the U.S. We are going to take and head up uh, all of the America's business out of the United States. So a lot of the actions that we have done in the past in China, uh, we're bringing that capabilities to the United States. At least 1,100 Chinese companies are registered to attend CES, which is more than double last year. Lotus Robotics is from Hangzhou, China. This is our first time to show at CES. We are really excited to present our, our product here to the audience from all over the world. It's the biggest show and there are lots of people. We are very happy about that. Their product, RoboCube, can autonomously clean streets and even dump out the trash. That was Mark Neal reporting. The International Energy Agency says the amount of renewable energy capacity added to energy systems around the world grew by 50% last year. And that's almost 540 gigawatts, with a solar photovoltaic accounting for three-quarters of the additions globally. The agency says China's the biggest contributor to the growth, commissioning as much uh, photovoltaic in 2023 as the entire world did in the previous year. Nigeria, which depends on sugar imports, is feeling the effects of dry weather. Prices have gone up as a result of low yields in major sugar-producing countries. Experts in Nigeria are calling for climate-friendly agriculture to boost local production. Ajak Mengat reports. Ismail Hassan sells granulated sugar in Nigeria's capital, Abuja. He says the price has gone up in the last few weeks and his customers are complaining. We used to purchase a bag of sugar for 45,000 to 47,000 naira. 
but now it's priced at over 60,000 naira. While customers initially bought it at the lower cost, complaints have risen and some have ceased purchasing due to the increased price. The price of sugar has been on the rise in recent months, reaching an 11-year high last year. According to Nigeria's Sugar Development Council, despite the government's efforts to increase local production of sugar, uh, the country has relied majorly on importation in the last three decades. And if prices continue to rise, retailers may not be able to afford it for much longer. Dutch bank Rabobank says rising prices are linked to El Nino, a naturally occurring climate pattern that takes place when sea temperatures in the eastern Pacific rise. This tends to make conditions in major sugar-exporting countries such as Thailand and India drier than normal. Last year, India banned mills from exporting sugar, halting shipments for the first time in seven years as a lack of rain cut cane yields. It has affected agricultural production because it has changed the patterns of rainfall. And whatever has affected the normal situation will definitely affect production at the end of the day. Experts say the government needs to subsidize sugar imports in the short term while exploring climate-friendly systems of agriculture. I feel that the government should come in and see a way of how they could bring in incentives. And for the fact that we are importing a lot of sugar as it stands, they could actually help us in the forex and give uh, importers a little relief uh, in, in terms of forex give them for, uh, foreign exchange for a lower price, they, just to see how they could cushion the effect. Late last year, the Nigerian government commenced irrigation or dry season farming, starting with crops like wheat, rice, maize, sorghum, soybeans and cassava, with funding from the Africa Development Bank. The move is expected to cover other crops like sugarcane and reach 250,000 farmers by 2024. It has also unified the exchange rates between the Naira and the U.S. dollar needed to import goods and close the gap in the official and black market rates. But for now, consumers and traders like Ismail will have to endure the rising cost of sugar, affecting business and livelihoods. That was Ajak Mangud on the impacts of weather on sugar prices. U.S. Securities and Exchange Commissions approved 11 spot Bitcoin exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, in the country. The approval includes ETFs from Grayscale, Bitwise, and Hashdex, among others. The endorsement is seen as potentially revolutionizing the landscape for Bitcoin, providing both institutional and retail investors with access to the world's largest cryptocurrency without the need for direct ownership. Google announced another round of job cuts on Wednesday. The Silicon Valley company laid off several hundred employees in its core engineering division, as well as those working on the Google Assistant, the company's voice-operated virtual assistant, and in its hardware division, too. Uh, the cuts continue a trend of tech layoffs after large companies such as Google, Meta, and Amazon dismissed thousands of workers last year. Listening to the Beijing Hour, coming up in sports, we have a look at round one of the Australian Open. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world.
47 past the hour now. Turning to sports, and here's Young Guang. Thank you, Shane. And we start with tennis. Top-ranked Iga Svantec will face 2020 champion Sofia Cannon in the first round of the Australian Open, making it a tough start for her bid for a first title at the Grand Slam event. She also potentially faces 2016 winner Angelique Kerber in the second round. Number 12 seed Zheng Qingwen of China opens against American teenager Ashlyn Kruger. Naomi Osaka returns to Melbourne Park facing Caroline Garcia in her opening match. Defending men's singles champion Novak Djokovic's bid for a record-extending 11th Australian Open title will start against the winner in the qualifying rounds. His campaign also also could include a third-round meeting with Andy Murray and a quarter-final against last year's runner-up Stefano Tsitsipas. Top Chinese player Zhang Zhijian plays Federico Correa in the first round. With just one day to go to the Asian Cup in Qatar, the largest ever cast of 74 match officials have been getting ready to be the 25th team in the competition, featuring 24 countries and regions. For the first time ever, women are poised to debut as match officials at Asia's most prestigious men's national team competition. Japan's Yoshimi Yamashita leads the ensemble of five female match officials appointed for the competition. I feel really honored to be here. As an Asian female referee, I think I have a responsibility to show what I can do here. I will do my best to make sure that this opportunity will lead to the next one. The 18th edition of Asia's biggest football tournament will for the first time use VAR technology throughout the competition. In European football, Liverpool staged a second-half fight back and scored twice in three minutes to beat Fulham 2-1 in the first leg of the English League Cup semi-finals. With the second-tier Middlesbrough defeating Chelsea on Tuesday, another abs- upset looked on course when Fulham took the lead at Anfield through William in the 19th minute. Jurgen Klopp then made a double substitutions in the second half, sending in David Nunez and Cody Gakpo. The change proved decisive, with Nunez having a hand in both of Liverpool's goals and Gakpo scoring one of them. It's not over yet, surprisingly. I didn't expect to have a result tonight where I can say, yeah. We can book the hotel. Um, that was not. This was clear. So, Fulham. Marco was probably here before me. Um, will not be overly happy tonight, but knows they are still in. They caused us real problems. They will cause us there even more problems. Hopefully, we will be then better from the start. Meantime, in Spain, Real Madrid outlasted Atlético Madrid 5-3 in a thrilling extra-time victory in the semi-final of the Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. Dani Cavajo leveled the game at 3-all in the 85th minute to send the game into extra-time. Then, an own goal by Atlético defender Stefan Savic put Real in front before Brahim Diaz sealed the deal. Real coach Carlo Ancelotti says it was a duel about who stands in the end. We are absolutely exhausted because it's been a very competitive game, very hard fought by both teams. We have both played very well. It's been a great show for football. I think we won because we had a bit more energy left at the end. It was a milestone night for Antoine Griezmann. The Frenchman became Atletico's all-time top scorer with his 174th goal for the club. The UFC will stage an all-Chinese fight for the first time in a title bout between Zhang Weili and Yan Xiaonan. 
UFC CEO Dana White announced that Zhang will defend her women's strawweight belt against Yan at UFC 300 on April 13th in Las Vegas. Zhang, the first Chinese UFC champion, has won three in a row, two by knockout. The Hebei native is coming off a dominant unanimous decision win over Amanda Lemos in August. Yan has won eight of her past ten fights in her most rec-、uh, recent outing. Yan knocked out ex-champion Jessica Adrenda. The Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers will play the NBA's first overseas regular season game this year in Paris. It's the third time the French capital has hosted an NBA regulation game. Nets forward Michael Bridges says it's an also an opportunity for the players to experience a different game atmosphere. Yeah, it's my first time.、Uh, really excited. Like out here so far is really nice.、Um, like the area I'm in is just dope. A lot of stores and just I like how it's built. You know, just Walking around like the town and the city is is pretty cool, and yeah, of course, excited for tomorrow as well. The two teams play for the second time this season. In the last matchup in October, the Cavaliers won 114-113, led by 27 points from Max Truce. And finally, the Los Angeles Clippers have signed two-time NBA Finals MVP Kawhi Leonard to a contract extension. The team didn't reveal the worth or length of the deal. Leonard is in the third year of a four-year deal he signed in 2021. He had a play option for next season. Leonard is averaging 23.8 points this season. Right, thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with sports. Coming up in culture and entertainment, a new TV show based in 1990s Shanghai. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X Men: Days of Future Past. You are listening to the Beijing Hour. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to the Beijing Hour. Hi, everyone. I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to the Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world. Fifty-three minutes past the hour now, and turning to culture and entertainment, Chinese TV drama *Blossoms Shanghai*, which depicts a story in the 1990s, has gone viral since its premiere. Landmarks that appear in the drama have attracted tourists from across the country, and Chen Tong takes a closer look. Shanghai's Huanghe Road, a major scene in the drama *Blossoms Shanghai*. It's not a famous scenic spot, but has become one since the drama went viral. Blossoms Shanghai is directed by famous director Wang Kaiwei, and the story is set in Shanghai in the 1990s. Clicks of the first episode reached over 200 million in just the first 10 minutes of its premiere on the internet on December 27. The drama has both Mandarin and Shanghai dialect versions. Fans are from all over the country. We are from Anhui Province. We came here intentionally. The final episode was released last night. We took the railway this morning to the place. I often see the drama clips on my phone about the Huanghe Road. We are traveling nearby, so we come here to take a look. According to travel agency Tongchen Travel, in the first week of the drama's premiere on December 27. Searches of tourism products related to Shanghai's Nanjing Road pedestrian street jumped by 73 percent from the previous week. Two kilometers from the Huanghe Road, the restaurant that sells the Shanghai delicacy pork ribs and rice cake, which appeared at the drama too, have also been welcoming fans. It has been popular in recent days, so I want to come take a look. There are so many people in the restaurant. 
so I have to order a takeaway. China's food delivery app Made Wednesday has shown that searches of pork ribs and rice cakes jumped by 300% since the drama's premiere. Shanghai is not an unassuming city, but the success of the drama has highlighted Shanghai's attractions as a travel destination once again. That was Chen Tong on tourism in Shanghai following the screening of TV series Blossoms Shanghai. Paramount Pictures has rebooted the classic 2004 comedy film Mean Girls as a musical. May I have everyone's attention, please? We have a new student. Thanks for Katie. Well, new cliques are trying to navigate high school with the actress Anguri Rice now taking over the lead role of Katie that was previously played by Lindsay Lohan. Uh, but Tina Fey remains the writer and producer after 20 years. And she says the original story needs a, a modern touch to it. In some ways, it feels like a gift to be able to go back and update things that maybe didn't age as well. And, you know, a lot of times you, we look at things that were written in the past and we really judge them. Uh, we're like, well, that was so, you know, problematic or whatever. And like, I like to think like, yeah, a lot of these authors, though, if they were alive now, if they had the chance, they would learn and they would grow. Right. So hopefully <laughs> this movie is even a, even a movie about people being terrible needed to learn and grow a little bit. Faye's incorporated songs based on the original film. And she says the stories are still relevant today and the musical numbers enhance the story. Mean Girls hits North American theaters on Friday. A long-lost bronze relic from the Summer Palace in Beijing is back from overseas. Uh, the bronze latticed panel, over a meter long, was originally set on a window in the compound of the former royal resort during the Qing Dynasty. It was lost in the early 20th century. A Chinese collector found it at an auction ca- or in an auction catalog last year in France. And uh, he and two friends bought the lattice and donated it to the National Cultural Heritage Administration. California Science Center in Los Angeles is preparing a display of the retired space shuttle Endeavor as if it's about to launch. The museum has uh, brought an orange external fuel tank to its complex in Exhibition Park, where it'll be mated to the shuttle in a 20-story vertical display. Video showed the tank on a wheeled transporter next to the shuttle in the pavilion under construction to house the display. The California Science Center says the ET-94 is the last flight-qualified external fuel tank. Two external booster rockets will also be a part of this display. Beijing authorities uh, say they'll launch a, a new phase of repairs on the Jianco section of the Great Wall in April. And that's expected to be completed in 2025. The Jianco section in northern Beijing is one of the most dangerous parts of the Great Wall and is known by hikers as uh, the Wild Great Wall. The fifth phase of the repair project covers six defense towers and the walls between the towers with a total length of over 900 me- uh, meters. Uh, 58 past the hour, checking the forecast before we go for the day. And uh, Beijing's down to minus 6 on Thursday evening. Friday will be sunny and 6 degrees. Anchung's 3 overnight, sunny and 18 tomorrow. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's down to plus 2 this evening. It's cloudy and 17 on Friday. Vientiane is at 22 overnight, then a light rainfall in 32. Phnom Penh's 23 overnight. That's followed by overcast conditions in 34. In Africa, Nairobi's getting a light rainfall with a high of 26 degrees on Friday. Kampala's 19 overnight, then a light rainfall in 24. Juba's at 26 this evening. Tomorrow, cloudy skies and 38 degrees Celsius. 
And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, Belgium's prime minister's in Beijing for an official visit, the first European leader in China this year. And Ecuador's president says the country is now in a state of war with criminal groups involved in drug trafficking. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll uh, join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.